Thank you. Well, we've got new guests tonight. Welcome. It's so great that you guys are here. Thank you. I don't need, I don't need the board tonight. No. I tell you, I can't wait to eat at that restaurant. Oh, man. I mean, what could be better? Flying pancakes, frozen pizza. It's got it all, right? <laughs> Okay, so my name's Daniel. I haven't really met any of you yet. Maybe I'll go along and meet you guys here real quickly. Let's see. You have your name on. Hi, Landon. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you? What's your name? I'm Joey. Hi, Joey. I'm Daniel. Hi, nice Hi. to meet you guys. And Joe, Joey and Joe. Good. Hi, Hi Maya. Hi. Hi, Riley. Hi, Riley. Hi, Kaylee. Hi, Kaylee. Hi, Maria. Hi, Maria. Mary. Mary. Sophia. Great. Let's see. There's somebody over there. I haven't met you either. I'll go over here and see you. What's your name? Fred. Hi, Fred. Great. That's one of my favorite names, actually. It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, somebody else over here? Hi, what's your name? James. Hi, James. Hi. All right. Well, that's great. It's great that you guys have joined us for this evening. One of the things that I've been doing, I've been telling some jokes because I was inspired, actually, by all the jokes that got told the other night. I thought they were so good. I thought I'd tell some of my own jokes. They're maybe a little hard for you to understand, but that's okay. It's kind of, you know, these guys don't laugh enough. Do you ever notice that adults don't laugh enough? So, so we're helping them out with that. Yeah, so how do you, uh, that was good, that was good. <laughs> So how do, how do you pre prevent an old-time Methodist from drinking all the beer on your fishing trip? <laughs> Invite another old-time Methodist. <laughs> okay. All right. It's, it's actually true. <laughs> it's not even a joke, really. It's just, uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how I know it's true. So... I, I do a lot of work with Methodists, and um, when we go to these events, and then sometimes the, the staff, see, I know that, like, you all who are Catholic, you, like, can't even relate to this all drinking thing, not drinking thing, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so I do a lot of work, and the staff goes out, and uh, they say, well, you know, the Methodist church won't pay for any of the alcohol but if you all won't tell anybody, you know, you can order a beer if you want. So, anyway. All right. On another topic, you will be uh, very sad to see what you're missing here in Alexandria. Did you leave this for me, Pete? No? No? Okay. <laughs> There's a clown. He's just getting out of jail. That, that kid is in danger. <laughs> okay. All right. Enough of that silliness. All right. So one of the things that we do, we start out, I start out our time with a little time of quiet. Okay. And uh, it's just a way for us to uh, slow down a little bit. Uh, it's a way for us to actually be uh, kind of aware of ourselves, 
So a lot of times when we're doing stuff, we're running around, we're going crazy, we're not even aware of ourselves. We're kind of aware of everything else. Uh, and eventually, it's a way that helps us to be aware of God, too. But uh, at first, it's just a way to kind of slow down and just feel ourselves here in the room. Okay? And I start out, I say, let us pray. And then we're just quiet for a while. And you can just kind of feel yourself sitting there in the chair. Okay? And uh, then after a couple minutes, I'll say, amen. And we'll be ready to go. Okay? All right? So let us pray. All right, so one of the other things I've been doing is I've been reading a passage from the Bible before, we, uh, before I give my talks, and it, it kind of helps us with what we're thinking about here, what we're talking about here, and so I'm going to read this again, and uh, this is from Matthew's Gospel, and so Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, and uh, it has a lot of, you know, stories about Jesus, mostly. And this is a part of the gospel where Jesus is giving a talk. And it's often called a sermon. Uh, but in a lot of ways, it's really sort of just a talk. And uh, in the time of Jesus, people would uh, give talks sometimes at what is called the synagogue or the temple. Uh, and sometimes people would just give talks kind of out and about, you know, people would just come and hang out and a teacher would uh, talk to them. And so uh, this is uh, one of the talks that Jesus gave. And what's kind of interesting is that we actually don't have too many of the talks that Jesus gave, just a couple, right, just a couple. He, uh, he mostly hung out with people and did things and told stories and uh, and he only gave a few talks that we know about. He, he probably gave more, but uh, we only know about a couple of them. So this is from one of them. Uh, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses of this. And so this is Jesus speaking. So you can imagine that he's uh, talking to all the people that are hanging out. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of God who is in heaven. For God makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. God sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? And then one of the things that I've been doing each time is I kind of pick a word out of that passage, and that word kind of helps us, again, in what we're paying attention to for each talk. And so the word tonight that I'm going to talk about uh, that's going to help us is love. Right? Jesus uses that word a few different times. Now, um, love's kind of an interesting word. Uh, we use that word well, a fair amount, I would say. fair amount, I would say. So here's my question to you. What, uh, what types of love can you think of? Are there different types of love? What kinds of love, when you hear that word, might you think of? What? Yeah, so like uh, the way you may love a friend, right? So that's a kind of love, right? You really, you've got your best friend, you know, and you just really like them a lot. And uh, that, that's one type of love. Okay, a any others? Anybody think of any others? So, like, do you think your parents love you? You hope so? <laughs> yeah, 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 I think your parents love you a lot. Uh, I think your parents love you a lot. So that's another type of love, the love that parents have for kids sort of a, a particular type of love. Okay, and um, what, what's another type of love? And we can uh, have a lifeline from the back rows. Of, uh, yeah, like romantic love, right? You know, we hear about this all the time, like, uh, you know, the way uh, you have partners or the way your parents feel about each other, right? Boyfriends, girlfriends, all kinds of stuff like that. Right? That's another type of love, right? uh, what we call maybe romantic love. Um, okay, so, so we're getting uh, quite a few types here. Uh, are there any other types that we can think of? What? Material love. So, like, what do you mean by that? Oh, yeah, we love, we love our stuff. Yeah, we love our stuff. Yeah, so sometimes we, get, we like our things. We get very attached to them. Maybe you've got some favorite things that you really love. People have collections. Sometimes they really love their collections. Right? Okay. All right. Uh, any other types that we can think of? Okay, you're speaking in tongues now. Good job. Good, good job. Uh, you heard in Bible, you don't know what it means though. Yeah, what does it mean? I, be I believe. <laughs> okay, we, uh, yeah, how much are you, how much, you, oh, you're getting help from your lifelines? Yeah, yeah, you've got the uh, Orthodox mystic on one side and the Catholic teacher on the other side. So you, you've got to be right, right? You've got to be right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Um, so, right, so, so there, th see, here, so here's the interesting thing, right? Now, we've 
thought about all these different types of love, but we keep using the word in English, love, right? It, we've, it's only the one word. So what's really interesting is that in the Greek language, which is the language that the New Testament was written in originally, okay, in that language, there's actually four different words for love, right? Four different words for love. And, and our scholars over here have been using some of them, okay, which is wonderful. That's great. So, uh, so the, one of the types of love that is most commonly used that Jesus talks about uh, is what is thought of as this kind of spiritual love, right? This spiritual love. Right? All the other types of love generally refer to the way that people feel about each other in different ways, right? And there are different types of descriptions of that. But then there's this other word, there's this other thing that... Uh, Jesus uses and talks about a lot when he is talking about the relationship between people and God. Okay? And he uses this one particular word, uh, agape, it's kind of a cool word, uh, that refers to this. And so, like, in this passage, uh, when we heard the word love over and over and over again, that's the word that Jesus was using. So he wasn't using the word, so there's a word that refers to friendly love, right? And, uh, uh, and in fact, there's a city in America that's named after that word, right? Philadelphia, right? And it's the city of brotherly love, and that's the word in Greek, right? So he doesn't use that word, and he doesn't use the word for romantic love, and he doesn't use the word for family love, right? He uses the word for how we relate to God. Okay. So what's interesting, though, is that he's using that word when he's talking about our relationship with other people. So that's a little mysterious, right? Because he's not talking about how people feel about God. He's talking about how people relate to each other. Right, so there's something here that Jesus is talking about in terms of this kind of spiritual love, this deeper sort of love. Okay? All right. So one of the things we've been talking about, I'm trying to bring you guys up to speed a little bit, one of the things we've been talking about a lot is how is it that we relate spiritually to ourselves and to the world and to God and to each other, right? What's that about and how do we kind of practice that, right? So how do we begin to understand how God is present with us? How do we notice that? Because one of the things that I mentioned uh, a couple of talks ago is that God actually has this uh, sort of annoying quality, uh, which is that God is invisible. It's a little bit annoying. Right? I, I wish God was more visible. I wish God was like sitting, you know, over there. We'd just say, hey, God, you know, how's it going? What's happening? Tell us what to do. Be much easier for us. Right? Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be great? It'd be so much simpler. I'd, I'd be out of a job. Right? Think about that. <laughs> okay. 
So, uh, so we've been talking about these different practices, and, uh, and so one of the uh, practices that I want to teach us tonight, I thought that tonight, I know that you guys spent a lot of time in film production today. Is that true? You guys, you guys did some fun, cool film production? So like, I can't wait to see this movie, and the quicker I get done, the quicker we get to see the movie. Right? So the pressure is kind of on me to finish up so we can see the movie. So, um, so we're going to be a little quicker today, but what I want to do is to, to teach us uh, a really wonderful and important prayer practice. And I know that many of you actually know about this because I've been hearing about these great uh, Jesuit retreats that a lot of you have been going on. And so I, I think you're probably familiar with, with this, some of you. And then for some of you, this will be new. And so it's great. We can all learn and do it together and help each other. So one of the real questions, one of the real questions of how is it that we enter more into a way of life that is of God, one of the questions is like, how do I do that? How do I do that? If, if there's all kinds of options open to me, right, how is it that I really begin uh, to move into that freedom? Right? That, one of those last songs we sang, we talked about um, Jesus making us free. And that really is one of the ways that Jesus is often described as the free one. Right? And... Um, and one of the things uh, for our new folks uh, here, one of the things we've been talking about is how in many ways we as human beings are often not very free. Right? We're, we're sort of uh, imprisoned. I've been using this image of a little bubble. Right? We're, we're kind of trapped in our bubble a little bit. Okay? And one of the things I'm wondering, have you guys ever heard of peer pressure? You ever heard of peer pressure? Yeah. You talked about it today. Well, why don't you tell me what you talked about today with peer pressure? They're terrified to speak. Yeah, they are. They are scared. It's okay. I'm scary. This is a big place. It's scary. That's cool. We talked about how not all peer pressure is bad and how peer pressure Okay, okay. So, so sometimes um, peers can help each other, right? Maybe that's kind of a good peer pressure. Um, now, usually, though, that term is usually not used in a good way. That, that's kind of cool that you guys thought of it and kind of turned that around a little bit to think of it in a good way sometimes. So what, what's some of the ways that often that is not thought of in a good way? Did you guys talk about that at all, or...? Yeah, that's a beautiful example. That's a beautiful example. So, uh, so for those of you that, that couldn't hear, uh, Joe, E, you don't know what a miracle it is that I remembered your name. Uh, that, was, that was a God moment right there. Um, 
Okay, so uh, for those of you who couldn't hear Joey, what he said was sometimes you're in a situation where your group of friends is making fun of somebody, which you know is the wrong thing to do, and you are torn between joining in, which they want you to do, or not, and doing the right thing. And then they, they might not be happy with you, and you're sort of stuck in this weird place, okay? So that's, that's a great example, and so, um, so that's an example of how a lack of freedom can happen from the way that people and the world treat us, right? So you're not, you don't feel free, right, Joe? Would this be an accurate description? You don't feel free to do the right thing. You're sort of in this weird stuck place, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so the world is always doing this to us, kind of decreasing our freedom, and one of the things that, uh, that people saw when they experienced Jesus, and also one of the things they saw when they experienced many what we call mystics, is that these people seem incredibly free. They seem incredibly free. Right? They just do whatever it is that really seems to be the thing God is calling them to do. They don't seem stuck. Okay? And that's, that's challenging. It's, it's really hard. As Joey said, it's really hard. We all have experienced that. And we all experience it probably multiple times a day, <laughs> depending on our situation. So there was uh, a long time ago, about 500 years ago, there was a fellow in Spain who was a uh, not very good guy. He's a not very good guy. And uh, he was um, what we call a minor prince, which means he wasn't even an important prince, but he was sort of important. Okay? And uh, he, there, at the time that he lived, there were a lot of fights going on in Spain and around Europe, and he got injured in one of the fights. Now, when he lived, now you guys may have a hard time believing this, but when he lived... There was no cable, there was no internet, he had no iPhone. It was so boring, it was so boring when he got hurt. Yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine, I know. Okay, and so what he had to do is he had to lie in bed for six months. For six months. No cable, right? You know, nothing, no, nothing. No Snapchat, no Facebook. It's just terrible. All right. So he uh, had a lot of time on his hands. And remember, he wasn't really a very good guy. And he decided, though, he wanted to be better. He wanted to be a better person, which was good. So he started thinking to himself, okay, how am I going to spend all this time? I'm here in bed. I'm kind of bored. And he began to ask this question of himself. He thought, okay, well, if I'm not a very good guy, I've been doing all this stuff, I'm not a very good guy, I want to get better, I want to follow what God wants me to do, how do I figure out how to do that? Because right? he was, you know, even though he wasn't such a good guy, he was kind of smart. So he, he was thinking about this, he realized, like, this is sort of hard. I mean, how do I figure this out? Okay. 
So he thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. He's kind of thinking, he's reading his Bible a little bit, uh, just thinking about the stories. And he came up with a plan. He came up with a plan. And his plan is now called something called the examination of spirits. Right? The examination of spirits. And uh, the name that we now uh, call him by is Ignatius of Loyola. And he wrote a book that uh, is the second most popular Christian book in history other than the Bible. Isn't that amazing? So you too can lie in bed for six months and write a bestseller. <laughs> All right. Okay? All right? And um, so this was his idea. This was his idea, which in a way is incredibly simple, but there is a very tricky hard part. I'll tell you, get to that in a minute. But the simple part is this. He said, okay, look. He said, because remember, he's gone through the Bible stories again and again and again and again and again. And he thought, okay, um, both Jesus and Paul talk about this funny thing about fruits. Fruits, right? That you can tell a tree by its fruit. Doesn't that make sense, right? So let's say I take you out somewhere in the winter and I show you a bunch of trees. I say they're fruit trees. I don't know what they are and you don't know what they are, what's the best way for us to figure them out? Or maybe not the best way, but a completely for sure way. And you have plenty of time. What? Okay, well, there aren't any fruits on them yet, so what would you do? Yeah, you're right, but what, what would you then have to do? Yeah. Yeah, well, you wait till spring, but actually till fall, right? But right, you would wait, and you would see what fruits came out, and if, boop, all these apples came out, you'd be like, oh, apple tree, for sure. Right? Completely for sure. Like, you can't be wrong. Right? And if there's all cherries, you say, oh, cherry tree, for sure. Right? Yeah, 100% reliable way to do that. Okay, so... What I need to do to get this to make sense to all of you, I need to tell you a little ancient biology. All right, ancient biology. This is true. My wife is laughing at me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Who let her in? Pete? <laughs> Why do we let her come? <laughs> okay, so uh, I don't know why she's laughing at me. <laughs> Um, all right, so ancient biology is very simple, but this is totally true. So a long time ago, they didn't know about stuff like cells or DNA or any of those things that we know about today. They had no idea. And so they were wondering, like, well, how do you get fruits out of a tree, right? So it's very simple. They said there are spirits. There are spirits. And every tree has its own spirit. And the spirits go into the ground, and they come up through the tree, they come out of the tree, and they make the fruits happen. Right? Boop. Just, and they make that sound. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And so each tree has its right spirit. Right? The apple trees have an apple spirit. 
right? The cherry trees have a cherry spirit. This is, this, believe it or not, this is actually true. You, you guys may think I'm crazy here, especially after Deborah laughed at me, but this is actually the correct uh, understanding because, you see, people in those days had a much more robust, much bigger sense of the non-material world. And there were spirits everywhere, and angels everywhere, and creatures everywhere, and one of them is right over there right now, making noise, right? You guys are all, whoa, <laughs> okay. All right, so now that you know a little bit about ancient biology, this next part is going to make sense to you. So everybody understood where you got fruits from and how that identified the spirit in the tree. And so Ignatius was like, all right, so Jesus and Paul are constantly talking about the fruits of the spirit. Hmm. They were using this common understanding of the way that trees worked to help explain how it was that God and different spirits work in us. And they said, well, look, if spirits can make these fruits come out of the trees, then spirits that relate to human beings also make fruits. Only we don't have the little boop thing with, with trees hanging from our fingers, right? What we have, what we have is we have things like behaviors and feelings and the way we relate to each other and ourselves and to God, those things, what Ignatius thought about is those things are our fruits. And so in the same way that an apple tree makes apples because it has an apple spirit, if we are experiencing something like love or peace or joy or patience, self-control, that is because the Spirit of God is making that fruit in us. Okay? Does that make sense? It's kind of, kind of cool. Makes a lot of sense. Very logical. Getting some snaps here. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, he was thinking about this, and he's like, all right. So, look. We got this fruit thing going on. So, what I need to do, he's lying there in bed thinking this. Imagine him in bed. He probably had a pretty nice bed. Although in those days, you know, people kind of smelled bad because they didn't bathe that much. So even though the bed was nice, we'd think maybe it wasn't so nice. That's a side note. <laughs> Not really important to the story. Okay, so he thought, all right, so what I need to do is I need to pay attention every day. And he did this every day because, you know, he didn't have anything else to do. He said, I have to pay attention every day, and at the end of the day, I'm going to look back on my day, and I'm going to ask myself two very simple questions. Where did I notice fruits of God's Spirit, and where did I notice fruits of spirits that were not of God, that were not so good? Because right, remember, the idea is that there are all these spirits floating around everywhere. And if I start asking myself that question every day and start paying attention, then I will start to track how God's Spirit is working in my life. 
And then when I start deciding what to do the next day, I'm going to have a lot of information to go on, right? And so if I notice that every day I'm really nice to somebody, and at the end of the day, I look back on that and I go, wow, that feels really joyful to be nice to that person. And it's true every day that I do that. I think, all right, you know what? The next day, I'm going to be nice to someone. And so by looking backwards, I can now start to understand how God is working in my life, and that will help me make decisions going forwards. Just making sense? Guys, making sense? A little bit? A little bit? All right, I guess thumbs up. Okay. So he started doing this, but then he noticed that there was one hard part. Remember I said there was a hard part? This is the hard part. The hard part is that he also realized that we as human beings have a lot of what he called preferences. We have a lot of preferences. So in other words, we have a lot of ideas about what is the good, right thing to do. And what he noticed is that those preferences can actually blind us to the fruits of the Spirit. And for the adults here, we've been talking a lot about how this works. Okay? So that if, let's say, I think the only way that God wants me to eat ice cream is to eat ice cream with sprinkles. God can't possibly want me to eat any other kind of ice cream. Okay? Then, let's say one day somebody offers me ice cream with no sprinkles. And I I taste it just because I'm feeling some peer pressure. But let's say I actually like that more. But I think to myself, no, I only like ice cream with sprinkles. What we will tend to do is kind of forget or not even notice that we like the other kind of ice cream better. Now, that's sort of a very silly example. I understand that. But this happens to people all the time. All the time. All the time, we will say to ourselves or think to ourselves, you know, I have to do X, Y, and Z. I should do X, Y, and Z. This is what I've been told is the right and good thing to do. Even though when I do it, I may actually not experience the fruits of the Spirit. I may actually be eh, not feeling so great. But I keep doing it because I've been told that's what I should do. And in the same way, the things that I'm told maybe aren't so great, like be nice to the kid who's being picked on, even though my friends want me to pick on that person too, even though I might feel really good standing up for that kid, right? I don't do it because the world is telling me, nope, don't do that. 
pick on the kid. Okay? So Ignatius' probably most famous sentence, and this is kind of a a real big person sentence, um, goes like this. He says, when when you're going to do this prayer, I shall endeavor to prefer no created thing, not life nor death, health nor illness, wealth nor poverty. I shall endeavor to prefer no created thing, not life nor death, health nor illness, wealth nor poverty. Now, he came up with this sense by looking at the life of Jesus because he said, look, Jesus is always following God's will. Uh, That's what Jesus says he's doing. That's what we understand that Jesus was about. Now, did Jesus end up with long life, health, and a house on the Riviera? No, he didn't, right? He ended up being killed. So if I look at the life of Jesus and I say, well, look, so following God's will, anything can happen. Then if I'm going to engage in this prayerful activity of paying attention to where is the life-giving spirit, uh, then I need to be open to any possibility. And the more that I can do that, and it's really hard to do, the more that I can do that, though, the more that I can see all the fruits very clearly. So those were the two steps of the prayer, and then Ignatius uh, said, I just do this over and over and over again and pay attention. And, you know, he didn't have shampoo bottles, but I think... I think that he actually wrote some of the stuff on the shampoo bottles because where it says lather, rinse, repeat, I think that's actually from Ignatius. Look for the fruits, pay attention, repeat. Okay. Now, what this begins to do, you see, if we start engaging in this simple practice, is it actually sets us off on this amazing kind of hide-and-seek journey. There's there's a sense that there is a thread, and uh, a great Orthodox teacher uh, once told a friend of mine in spiritual direction, said, look for the thread. Look for the thread. There's kind of this thread that weaves around that... Uh, we can go along, that's our journey of our life with God. And, uh, but we, you know, have to play this, uh, this game to kind of uh, find it. And so again, we ask ourselves these two very simple questions. And the other part of it is that we have to pay attention to ourselves. So the two very simple questions, right, as we look back, there are a lot of ways of phrasing these questions. But one of the ways that I like the best is what is life-giving and what is death-dealing? Right? Because, and the reason I like these the best in a lot of ways is because we say that God is the giver of life. And it's one of the most basic statements uh, about God, is that God is the giver of life. 
And of course, we also talk about the fact that without God's spirit, uh, there ends up being this kind of death. Okay? Not, not literal death, but this spiritual separation from God. Okay? And, and so the other important thing about these two questions, you see, is that each one of us, this is one of the greatest things about this practice, each one of us experiences life-givingness and death-dealingness in our own unique way. In our own unique way. By how God has formed us. For some people, right, uh, being with lots of people is very life-giving. For some people, being with lots of people is very death-dealing. <laughs> I just uh, got our younger son this great t-shirt that I found for him. Uh, he's incredibly introverted, and he loves to read. And the t-shirt says, Books, Helping Introverts Avoid Conversations Since 1453. <laughs> okay. So what's really life-giving for him is to close the door to his room and stay in there reading for as long as possible. Okay? Now, for some people, that would be like the worst thing possible. Right? And what's life-giving for them is to be running around with hordes of people all the time. Okay? For some people, what is very life-giving is doing a lot of thinking right? and kind of study. For some people, what is very life-giving is feeling things very deeply. Right? For some people, uh, being le a leader is very life-giving. For some people... Uh, hanging out in the back row is very life-giving, right? We all have different ways that is life-giving and death-dealing. And so one of the important things about this practice is that we also get to know a lot about ourselves and how God has made us. Because we get to pay attention to like, when do I really come to life? And when am I just like, uh can't take it anymore. Right? I feel really depleted, exhausted. Okay. All right, so this is the way that we're going to do groups tonight. Uh, we're going to have our little break uh, like we usually have. Uh, and then we're going to come back to groups. And you guys are going to join the groups, right? You're going to join the groups with your parents? Is that the plan? Okay, so uh, you're going to join the groups with your parents. And, um, and so this is what we're going to do in the groups. And so I, I need at least the group leaders right now to sort of zone in so you'll be able to carry this. Um, you're going to get together in the groups, and you're going to spend a few minutes in quiet, and you're going to think back on your day today. All right, so we're getting towards the end of the day. You're going to think back on the day, and you're going to ask these two simple questions. What was really life-giving? What felt to you like it brought the fruits of God's Spirit? Right? And you're going to ask the other question. What maybe did not feel very life-giving to you? Okay. Now, Maybe you're not going to have a lot of answers to either of those questions, 
And that's fine. That's fine. Okay? And maybe if it's not really clear just by looking back on today, you know, look back over a little bit of longer time. Look back over this, for this week. Or maybe you could look back over your whole summer. There might be another way to do this, right? So some period of time, uh, you look back over and you ask yourself those questions and you're just quiet in your group doing it. And then, after a couple minutes of doing that, uh, then I would like you to go around in a circle, not random order, because that sometimes creates the great silence in a group, but to actually go around in the circle and each person share, what are they noticing? Right? What are you noticing? What seems to be really life-giving? And what is it that seems to be not so life-giving for you? And, uh, and then, once you've gone around and you've shared these, I want you to go around a second time right, and, and think about this question, which is, those things that you noticed that were life-giving, was that familiar to you? Right? Was that familiar to you? Like, is that something that you often notice is life-giving? Okay? And the same with the other uh, thing. If there's something that seems death-dealing, not life-giving, drains you of energy, is that also familiar to you? Okay, so those, so those instructions make sense? All right. Okay. Well, I'm really happy that you guys joined us tonight. It was really great to have you here. Thank you very much. And we're going to have a little bit of a break, and we're going to come back and do small groups. All right. Amen.